you know, if you really want people to be fully engaged, they need to have autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I am your host, Donald Miller. Well, listen, if you've gone through the pandemic like the rest of us, if you've moved to a, a remote work scenario or a hybrid remote work scenario, if you're bringing some people back, if productivity is sort of declining, if creativity is declining, if morale is a little bit down, you need to rebuild your team. You need to take some steps that increase productivity and morale and yet that is a field of landmines. Well, today's guest is going to help us maybe better than any resource that you've been provided with. It's Tim Arnold. Tim is an old friend of our organization. He's out of Canada. He lives up in Toronto. What I love about Tim is he's got a philosophy that there is no one-size-fits-all scenario solution to your problems. When it comes to teams, you've got to be a wise team leader if you're going to get this thing back on track. We have done that here in our culture. Our morale is higher than it's ever been, and we did it by understanding balance and nuance. And Tim was a major part of helping us understand that. If you want to rebuild your team, you're going to love today's conversation with the author of Next Level Teamwork, Tim Arnold. Hey, it's podcast producer Bobby Richards. And over here at Business Made Simple, we know that as a business owner, you can feel like you are stuck on a hamster wheel. The constant struggle of a never-ending to-do list. The sleepless nights spent wondering if you're even making the right decisions. And you're not just a business owner. One day, you're a marketer. Then you're a sales expert. Then you're the accountant for your business. You're bouncing between roles like a pinball. If you feel overwhelmed or like you're constantly putting out fires in your company, let me just say, we got you. We have a six-step plan you can immediately start implementing to take back control of your business so you can get back to growing and scaling it. It's already given thousands of business owners a clear path for growth, and you can find it in our all-in-one platform, where you'll get access to the frameworks and systems you need to lead your team, nail your marketing, boost sales, and optimize your products, operations, and cash flow through all of our on-demand courses and our member webinars and an exclusive community of business owners just like you. And here's something super exciting. We are offering access to the Business Made Simple platform at our very best price. Just go to businessmadesimple.com slash Black Friday and get your plan for growth today at a price you don't want to miss. It's all at businessmadesimple.com slash Black Friday. Tim Arnold, so great to have you back on the show. Ah, this is... Uh honor and I'm looking forward to a fun conversation. So your new book, Next Level Teamwork, actually does the opposite of what every other book pretty much on teamwork in the market does. And it doesn't provide a formula. It provides wisdom on how you should approach each situation, which is different. I like the way you put that together. I mean, I think right now more than any time, certainly in my life, we're living in a, a culture of lazy thinkers where we want overly simplistic answers to complex issues. And I think teamwork's just another example where that's the case. We want these silver bullet solutions. And I mean, you know as well as I do, Don, when you get behind the curtain, no one's figured it out. Every team is a work in progress, but you do wanna be able to stand back and say, you know what? 
we're getting better, not worse. We're becoming yeah. more aligned, not less aligned. And although there are no kind of magical formulas or silver bullet solutions, I believe what it comes down to is just keeping your eye on a few unavoidable tensions and say, folks, we're not going to solve these, but if we can name them and if we can manage them well, we're actually going to have synergy, alignment. We're gonna, our team's gonna work. And the fascinating thing, especially since the pandemic, I don't think there's any bigger competitive advantage for an organization to jump on right now than an effective team because everything's been disrupted. And right now with more expectation of flexibility and more different working styles and models, if you can leverage your team to really tap into their collaborative potential, you are ahead of about 95% of organizations. You know, Tim, what I, what I think you're really good at is helping people make good decisions in real time. Hmm. And rather than approaching it with a philosophy of saying, you know, well, in order for me to get to work, I have to take go down the street and take two right turns. Therefore, there's always money if you go outside and take two right turns, no matter where you live, is just dumb. You know, say, well, I put some salt in the uh, stew last night and it tasted better. Therefore, I'm going to put salt in everything, including my coffee from here on out, because it's obvious that salt makes things. It's just dumb. It's just <laughs> stupid. Uh, we don't do anything in our life that way. We don't bake bread that way. We don't raise our kids that way. We don't. There's nothing in our life where we say, well, something that works here will work everywhere else because it's universally applicable. And yet people buy into that thinking in politics, they buy into it in religion, they buy into it in business, they buy into it. It's the death of nuance, which in my opinion is the death of productivity. It's the death mm -hmm. of success, if you subscribe to that. Am I coming on too strong there? Or? Not at all. And I, I think, you know, in an either or world where everyone's trying to have, um, you know, their claim on the truth and the right answer, I say to teams every single day, pretty much of the week, Get less focused on what's the right answer and more focused on what's the best answer for us there right now at this time. And that may be the best answer a week from now, and it may not be. But what we're going to do is not find this utopian place of balance, but actually get comfortable with dynamic balance, which means we're constantly going to be coming up with what's the best play for us right now in light of some of these underlying tensions. I love it. Okay, it, specifically as it relates to teamwork, because you've talked a lot about other stuff too, but specifically as it relates to teamwork, we are in a culture where half our teams are working remote. Most everybody wants to work remote. Productivity may have decreased a little bit. People aren't connected. Morale may be pretty low on your teams coming out of COVID. Uh, the whole universe was upended. What do you see are the five biggest reasons that there are tensions on our team? Because I know you address these five in the book. Yeah. So, and again, when I'm talking about attention, we've talked about this before, they're just unavoidable situations where both sides need to be held onto and valued, just like breathing. I can't inhale or exhale. I have to inhale and exhale. Right. In teams, there's five that are unavoidable. One is how do we be both task focused, allow people to just get stuff done and check things off and relationship focus to actually get to know who's at the table, how do we tap into their strengths and know their weaknesses and blind spots. So task relationship. The other one is structure and flexibility. We've come out of the pandemic with more of an expectation of flexibility than ever before. And yet we're learning that flexibility without some key structures in place is disastrous. Hmm. So how do we embrace all the upsides of flexibility and make sure that they actually are upsides because we have the structures to make them work. You know, another one is just a core 
communication tension as a group, how do we be both truthful and tactful with each other? Mm. You know, truthful meaning that we're using radical candor and crucial conversations and all those wonderful things. That's not an excuse, though, to blow people out of the water or shut them down. I also have to communicate with empathy and respect. So, and, and interestingly enough, Don, we're not talking about being a little bit of both. How do I be a communicator and how do we have a culture that's high truth, high tact? You know, the fourth one is, and, and again, this is one that I feel like we're having to renegotiate since the pandemic. How do we be both collaborative and independent in our teams? There's a place for us to actually just divide and conquer. And I think we've learned to do that better than ever before. But we're also realizing that all those individual pieces have to come together. And we're missing out on some of the collaborative energy and perspective. So how do we be both collaborative and independent in how we do our work? And then the last one is, how do we be a team that has high levels of empowerment and we really allow people to own their piece and kind of find mastery and purpose within that piece? But with empowerment has to come accountability. So with every bit of empowerment that we embrace, how do we also uphold the value of accountability and responsibility? I love it. All right. So let's go through these, all five of them, and give us some strategies on each. And let me just be clear to our listeners. What you're going to get out of today's episode, if you really listen and understand where Tim's going, you're going to get real-time decisions where, where you're in a situation, you realize there's some tension, you're going to know what to do about it after this interview. And because of that, you're going to be perceived as a great leader. That's really what this conversation is about. That's what's in it for you. Let's talk about first tasks and relationships. How do we know if our team has become too task-oriented or too relationship-oriented and it's beginning to cause tension? Yeah, so I would say, first of all, anyone who's listening, just pause for a moment and think, when I think of task and relationship, do I feel that we have over-focused on one to the neglect of the other? The interesting thing with a task focus, when we're really task-focused to the neglect of relationships, a couple things will happen. One is we become a lot more snippy with each other. People that, you know, relationships I value start to feel strained and the other thing we find when we're overly task focused is lots of redundancy and balls are dropped because I'm doing my piece, but I haven't aligned it with all the others. So one thing I'd say, if you need to move towards the relationship side, you don't need a two day team building retreat with trust falls. Little things consistently make the difference. You know, there's a great leadership philosopher, uh, Peter Block. He says, connection before content without relatedness, no real work can occur. And what I would say to folks is you've already got meetings, always schedule two to three minutes for connection before content. And it's not how you doing because you're going to get busy or good, but ask questions like, hey, what was the highlight of your week last week? What's one thing you're looking forward to in the season ahead? Actually have a little bit of time for connection and I'll guarantee it, even in a 15 minute meeting, the rest of those 12 to 13 minutes will be way more productive. People will actually feel safer to engage. You know, that's just on a daily basis, those little bits of connection. I would say culturally, make sure in a weekly setting you're celebrating wins. That you're doing something in your systems, whether it's virtual or in person, to say, I just want to pause and say, Don did this last week and it impacted me in such a positive way. When that becomes normal, again, you're creating space for relationship. And regardless of whether you're virtual, in person, hybrid, 
You do, I believe, seasonally have to carve out some time to get people together. I work with a great CEO here in Canada, and he has a motto in his organization that relationships can only be built by wasting time together. And, you know, the, the truth behind <laughs> so that true. is sometimes yeah. we actually have to make space just to be together. And the paradox, of course, is that allows us to be much more productive down the road. Yeah. You know, the, the only other thing I'd say, Don, about task focus, because I think a lot of people listening probably do the task focus pretty well. Don't confuse a healthy task focus with being busy. Just because everyone says they're busy doesn't mean that you're really task focused. So ask yourselves a few questions. And that is, are people actually committed to their peace? Like, are they actually owning their peace? Are they a culture where you can constantly assess? And Don, you and Business Made Simple does this better than anyone I've worked with. Can we constantly assess if we're winning or losing? Can we at any given time say, yeah, we're busy, but are we actually winning? And how would we know it? How would we assess if we're not? So just because you're busy doesn't mean you're task focused is healthy. Yeah, I love it. And we have incorporated some of those strategies, Tim. We do shout outs every week. And I am a high D person. You know me pretty well. And I have disciplined myself to go in and say, how was your weekend? Mm -hmm. And those sorts of things. And the benefits I get back in terms of productivity are exponential. Yeah. What's interesting is I work with some CEOs that actually schedule time in their calendar to say, walk around, connect with this person. And it's not that they don't want to, it's just a blind spot. I don't look there naturally. Right. So I have to actually you know, have the leadership to say, I need to carve out time to develop relationship. And again, the paradox is that that means that we're going to be more productive. We're going to be more aligned. That's true. It, you know what? It's true in our marriages, right? It's true with our kids. So true. And it's not, you know, we're just dealing with people here. All right. The paradox of structure and flexibility. This is probably right now, oh gosh, the big one. Am I right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, how do we structure so many remote workers giving them enough flexibility to have some some anonymity there. You know, how do we do that? And leaders talk to me constantly about the fact that I can't attract and retain great talent if I don't have way more flexibility than we as an organization used to have. And I think that can be a great thing. I think we're learning that we were a lot less flexible than we could be. Just know that flexibility and structure are like inhaling and exhaling. One can't exist without the other. So one thing that I would say to think about, and it's funny, it's advice that was given to me when my wife Becky and I were about to be married. We were working with a couple that were mentoring us. And they said, you're going into this relationship with lots of expectations and assumptions on the other person. You won't know what they are, though, until they're violated. <laughs> it's not until they <laughs> don't do it. Because you've been raised with, well, I thought this and I expected this. And what I would say is in an environment that probably is growing in its flexibility, if someone doesn't meet your expectation or if someone maybe lets you down, rather than assuming they meant to or they don't get it, it's a great time for a conversation on, is, this, is there a need for structure around this or is that just my issue? You know, I think when it comes to things like meeting attendance, when it comes to things like punctuality, when it comes to communication norms, like when do we actually email and when do we text someone? What are people's availability outside work hours? I don't remotely think that you want a 100-page manual on all the structures for our team, 
but you do need to have a few guidelines so that we're clear, hey, we have tons of flexibility in all these areas and here's a few things that we're aligned around. Here's a few things that are structures and their expectations. And I would say in an environment that's becoming more flexible, just pay attention to when you feel like someone has maybe mismanaged an expectation you have. And it's a great time right now for a conversation. Yeah. Well, you know what we do? And uh, I think you're familiar with this, Tim. We just have these five meetings that we have as a business. You have our all staff, our leadership meeting, our personal productivity meetings, our department standups, our quarterly standups. And as long as we have structure around those meetings and accountability around what's accepted and, and what you're supposed to be getting done, I could care less whether you're working on Tuesday at three. It just means nothing to me. It, and, it's, and I think that's part of the tension is we like flexibility, but don't know how to manage it. And really, when you're talking about managing flexibility, you're talking about managing expectations and, and keeping people accountable to get their work done and supporting them to get their work done without caring when they do it or in some ways how they do it. Well, interestingly enough, in my small team, we use actually your business made simple uh, meetings approach. And I believe that just that structure allows flexibility to flourish. It actually allows it really to get does. all the benefits of flexibility and creativity and morale and all of it. We're aligned on key things, which means you can then go and do it in a way that works for you, even when it works for you. Success Story, hosted by Scott D. Clary, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. In a recent episode, Scott talks with Jason Hansen, founder of Spy Escape and Evasion. Take a listen because Jason shares his success story on creating a business that's rooted in his passion for teaching ordinary people how to protect themselves and their families from danger through courses, products, and online resources. So go listen to Success Story wherever you get your podcasts. You know it, and we know it. Next year is creeping up quick. So if you want to win inside your niche in 2024, you need tech that puts you in the pilot seat. Collaborate on every inch of the customer journey inside the new HubSpot Sales Hub. With a comprehensive prospecting workspace and powerful sales analytics tools, all your data is connected across teams, so leads never slip through the cracks. HubSpot Sales Hub also lets you accelerate every facet of your sales operation with precision. And with over 1,400 integrations, there are tons of ways to mix in new features. So finish out the fourth quarter strong and gear up for the new year with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at HubSpot.com slash sales. And now back to the show. All right, truthfully and tactfully, uh, you know, how do we communicate? Do we come in the room and tell the truth or do we, or how diplomatic are we? This is a, boy, if you knew how to do this, you know, intuitively, your life is going to take off like a rocket ship because we do have to tell each other the truth but you just can't be ticking people off. Yeah, because what's interesting I'd say about truth and tact is that most leaders and most team cultures have a bias. And it doesn't mean that I like one side and hate the other. It just means, yeah, when I'm about to write that email, I lean towards kind of candor and truth or I lean towards diplomacy and tact. And that's fine. The goal is not to meet in the middle. It's just to be a productive, effective version of yourself. 
So whatever your bias is, I think it's just good to have a few key structures in place so that you're mindful of it. I know personally, I lead a team that leans towards the truth and candor side. So we've got some things in place that, you know, one thing that we kind of have as a ground rule is that we don't ask binary questions. When we're having generative conversations, I'm not going to say, Don, are you in or out? Or do you agree or disagree? We've got a list actually of questions like, Don, what's your biggest concern about X? Or, hey, you haven't said anything since we started. What are some things that are going through your mind right now? You're, you're creating space for dialogue as opposed to wanting that kind of definitive or you're for me or against me. One thing I would actually say on the tactfulness, I, I work with a couple organizations that are experiencing the downside of a nice culture. <laughs> they're, they're really nice, but they actually are so nice. You know, author Kim Scott in Radical Candor refers to it as ruinous empathy. I'm not helping you by holding back. And that's, that's really the culture of our team. So I actually think one thing that's helpful is to teach people in a incredibly nice, tactful culture, learn a little bit about emotional intelligence, which actually will show you that it's okay to be uncomfortable. You know, that, mm. that back part of our brain is our emotional brain and it will be stimulated and you will feel your heartbeat sometimes. And sometimes when you're about to say, Don, I don't know if I agree with that, or you know what, here's my idea it will be emotional and that's okay. In, in fact, if you're not feeling a bit of emotion and energy in conversations, you're probably not bringing your best. And if you're yeah. having team meetings where, and I'm not talking about dysfunctional conflict and distress, I'm not talking about that at all. It just means that, wow, there was some energy there. And you know what? We didn't shut down our logical brain, but we actually tapped into some emotion and some feeling. And, and I would say, if you're not seeing that interpersonally in your meetings, that's a red flag. Hmm. Yeah, it means people aren't speaking their minds. It's true. So I would say, you know, if that's your culture, let people know it's okay that we felt something and just breathe a little bit because this will pass and we actually will become more, you know, I, I often say if you can manage truth and tact well, you actually have meetings that people look forward to because I don't feel like I just wasted my time. I spoke up, I listened, I heard perspectives. I was engaged because it's like, wow, what's this person gonna say? But I didn't leave hurt or disrespected. And wow, is that ever a culture that people will want to stay at at all costs because it's so unlike most meetings. And as leaders, it is so important when somebody in a meeting brings up a, a position that is uncomfortable to say, I so appreciate you saying that. That took a lot of boldness. And I also appreciate the way that you said it. Let me answer your question. Or to even pull people aside if they don't do it well and say, hey, Really appreciate you bringing that up. I also felt like you brought so much emotion that you sort of hijacked the room and nobody was yeah. nobody actually wanted to disagree with you because you 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 were clearly angry about that. You know, and to be able to have those honest conversations, which uh, a, a leader can model that really, really well. Absolutely. And I love that you did the kind of go to someone after. Alone. This both and language helps because what you want to say to that person is not, you know, you're too candid and truthful. I need to be more tactful. It's like, hey, you're doing the truth candor thing well. I want you to hold on to that. And what would it look like if you could integrate a little bit more diplomacy and tact and empathy? What would it look like? I believe that's your next level of leadership or your next level of effectiveness. There you go. I love it. All right. Collaboration and independence. We've got a lot of independence going on. Yeah. One of the things that people are saying that studies are showing is that the thing that's getting lost inside of these remote work situations is creativity. 
that when people are not in the room tossing the ball back and forth, you lose a lot. And uh, we have seen that in our organization where we've had Mm -hmm. to bring people together more and more and more in order to get the creative juices flowing. In fact, our creative teams are spending more and more time at the office so that we can collaborate, so yeah. that we can have we can get more more ideas on the table. How do you how do you deal with the paradox between collaboration and independence? I think of the whole list, this is the tension that most organizations are failing with post-pandemic is are we getting all the upsides of independence, but are we also getting the upsides of collaboration? And here's what I'm gonna tell all your listeners to do as a follow-up. You've got to recognize this is not one size fits all. It will be different for every organization, the amount of collaboration you need, the amount of independence. And as you say, with your creative team, it'll be different on even teams within your company if you're a larger company. But what you need to do, and the best way to do it is think about it from a sports team's perspective. You know, there's there's certain teams like a relay team that all we need to do is do a good handoff. You know what, I got to stay in my lane. And as long as we have a good handoff, well, that team doesn't need as much collaboration as, say, a hockey team, where at the end of the day, we're passing back and forth nonstop, plays are changing. That team actually needs to be together more. So rather than looking for a one-size-fits-none approach, Mm -hmm. back up and say, what would the best example of our team be if we were maximizing collaboration and independence. And I think actually, you know, another example, and this is true of sales teams, is more of like a competitive gymnast team where we do want to be collaborating so we can win for the country, but we're also competing against each other, which means we also need a lot of independence. So the best thing you can do is start by just getting your own definition of what would winning on both sides look like, and then let's work backwards and say, how do we do it? You know, it's interesting. So many people are bringing back their team members. And it's, of course, very controversial because people have trouble moving backwards. What we decided was we actually want our creative teams in-house for a couple more days a week, not every day. But we did exactly what you're talking about. These are the teams that actually need to work together. These other teams don't. And what we found is they actually like it. It's easier for me as a creative, if I'm in a room with other people, I just get more creative and my ideas come to life. And we've found that people just really, really love that. And I I will say, Don, hopefully your example will inspire some people listening to say, sometimes the leader's role is to say, hey, some teams need more face-to-face than others. And that may not seem equitable, but that's actually how it works. So these teams actually have more face-to-face collaboration because of the work requires that level of creativity and pushback. And that means that some folks will be, you know, I think this is one reason some of the blanket organizational back to office policies have failed because you have some teams going, oh my gosh, at last. Yeah, they're sitting around in an office and they they, they don't need to be there. Yeah. So ask yourselves, how much collaboration do we need? And then retrofit for that. All right. Finally, increasing empowerment and accountability, empowering people, but also, you know, keeping them accountable to make sure that they're getting things done. How have you guys handled this? Yeah, I would just say on empowerment and accountability, I mean, the the research is pretty clear. And if you want to actually, I believe, go to the best example, go to Daniel Pink's work, who really looked at, you know, if you really want people to be fully engaged, they need to have autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And the more you can empower people to own their piece and to do it in a way that works with them, the more you'll see their engagement go through the roof. The interesting thing, though, is that, empowerment is something that only works with accountability. And for some people, responsibility and accountability were, you know, tomato, tomato. 
So what I would say, especially if you're a leader that's trying to embrace more and more empowerment, think about what does that accountability structure look like that's going to allow that empowerment to thrive? The other thing I'd say around empowerment and accountability, and actually this is advice I heard years ago from your friend Dave Ramsey, he said if you're in a role where you're trying to empower, you know, he uses the example of a, a dog that you're puppy training. He says, if you come home from work and that dog had a, an accident in the carpet, you know, the first thing you need to do is take a newspaper and roll it up and then hit yourself in the head three or four times because <laughs> it's not the dog's fault. It's your fault. And I think it's a, a good reminder that as you're empowering, accountability isn't just saying, you know, report to me in two weeks. It's a relationship. It's learning, hey, what's the best learning style so I can help you succeed at this? It's offering both critical encouragement and praise. I mean, it's it's all of those things. The other thing I would say, just to close off, for folks that are empowering people, training and development is not micromanaging. And actually being able to say, hey, this is the way we do things is not micromanaging. It's called being responsible. So I think as you're empowering people and as you have people that say, I want to be empowered, I want to own this, I think it's okay to say yes. And we also have a brand expectation. We have a reputation that I'm going to work with you to make sure you're empowered to deliver on. So when empowerment and accountability work well, they're working together. Listen, if you are a leader of any sort, and almost everybody listening to this podcast is, Tim's book is called Next Level Teamwork. Tim, can we get this on Amazon? Yeah, Amazon's the easiest way, Next Level Teamwork. And uh, it's, it's, it's a short guidebook with tons of practical plays that you can put into action. All right. If you understand this, you're going to be you're going to rise because leaders who decrease drama and increase productivity, who cause teams to come together, who lift morale, who everybody says, I love working for that person. They tend to move up in the world. And if you're looking for a one stop shop, fix all philosophy, it doesn't exist. You actually have to read the room and you have to know what you're dealing with and have some wisdom as you walk into the room. Tim, you've always brought such great insight to us. Thank you again for coming on the, the program and helping us lead better teams. Oh, thank you. Our organization is better because of Business Made Simple. So being able to be part of the community is a huge honor. So thanks for the opportunity. All right, Tim, if folks wanted you to come in and speak to their team and talk about these nuances, where would they find out more about you? TimArnold.ca. So T-I-M, Arnold, A-R-N-O-L-D.ca. And uh, you can find out about me and I'd love to I'd love to work with folks who want to look and how they can tap into next level teamwork. Sounds great, Tim. Thanks again. Thank you. I always enjoy talking to Tim. I love any thinker who embraces nuance because I just don't think simple answers get us very far. And I'm so tired of it. The truth is complicated. What we need is wisdom. We need wisdom. And Tim provided wisdom for us. All right, listen, at the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your own business and your leadership ability. Here's today's plan of action. Now, I don't get anything if you buy Tim's book. It's inexpensive. It costs, I don't know, 12 bucks on Amazon, whatever it costs. 75 pages. You can read it on one flight. You can read it before you get to the hub airport where you catch your next flight. Read it with a highlighter, and by the time you're done, you will be one of the wisest leaders that anybody has ever worked with. Everybody else is looking to wing it without wisdom. Everybody else is looking for one-stop solutions, a I'm a bull in a china closet kind of solution, or I only care about relationships, 
you know, their bottom line is the bottom line. Or, no, there's, there's emotional intelligence. It, hardly anybody can do both. Hardly anybody can read the room and know what they're supposed to do. And if you are that person, your career is going to skyrocket. So the book is called Next Level Teamwork, and uh, your plan of action is to read the book. Keep me accountable. I've got the book on my nightstand. I've done a cursory read, but keep me accountable. Next time you see me, say, Don, did you read Tim's book and with a highlighter? Because I just 100% believe in this stuff. I'm going to read it again and uh, read it with a highlighter. I want to become a good leader. Not, not just because I want to be a good leader, but because think about how much you improve lives when the team that has to report to you likes you and trusts you. Think about their lives. Think about your families, your kids, your spouse. Uh, the world just gets better when leaders get better. So, Tim, thanks again for coming on. And uh, that's your plan of action. Read the book. Okay, everybody, thank you as always for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow your small business and yourself as a leader. I'll see you again next week.